0: for yeah. that yeah.
1: A moment to fellowship one with another, welcome our visitors, let them know how glad we are to have.
2: Wonder thy power throughout this old universe display.
1: Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering, and again, we want to say thank you for all of our visitors for being with us today, and if you would, as I mentioned earlier, just take the guest card that is in your packet, fill it in, drop an offering plate in just a moment, we want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us, and we will be getting you some information about the church, but we got several folk that are visiting with us today, and we appreciate all of you being in the service this morning. And all of those that have come with your friends and family, thank you for honoring us by being with us in this service today. Let me just uh, recognize just a few. Adam was sharing with me this morning, got several of the athletes from UTC, the women's basketball team, the football team. Would you stand, folks, wherever you might are? Let's welcome them to the service this morning. Good to have you with us today. Great. Congratulations to the women's basketball team for a great season. But good to have all of you that are with us this morning. Let me just make mention, uh, just, uh, uh, many of you are helping with the Ammons. We're moving the date for loading their stuff to the 7th of April. So make a note of that if you would please. and we'd appreciate it so much. This is Revival Sunday. We're looking forward to all that the Lord has for us. We'll introduce Brother Hurt to you in just a little while. But let's pray. You give today. Father, bless the offering now honor the Lord Jesus in everything we do and we'll thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: the long dark night out on the open sea by faith alone my sight Like this. Though your ship may be battered the anchor holds though your sails they are torn
2: in dark valley No hope within oh, I see But they searched through heaven And they found a the safe. To save a poor lost soul like me, oh, what a sin. chilly water, I'll soon be crossing, but his hand will lead me. His heart was broken.
1: wonderful Savior, don't we? It is a joy to have Brother Hurt, Wilbur Hurt, with us from Indianapolis, Indiana, and he is no stranger here. He's been with us for a number of years. I thank the Lord for the day that he allowed our past to cross. This is a very dear friend of mine, and I thank the Lord for sending him back to be with us during this time of revival. Let's welcome Brother Hurt to the services.
3: you, <laughs>
4: Our Bibles open to the first book of the Bible, and we're in number 16. If you'll turn, please, in God's Word. Genesis, number 16, please. And I'd like to read some verses that I trust we can tie together in the Psalms this morning. That's Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And we'll read there first, and then we'll go to our text scripture, and that's the very first book of the Bible, the 16th chapter. I want to call our attention to, really, it's a familiar little story here, but I feel the Lord has brought my attention to share with you this truth this morning. And it's a special joy, and I say that sincerely, to stand here and to attempt to open God's Word again. I tell you, he's here this morning in a marvelous and a wonderful and a very precious way, and I'm glad for that. I said to your dear pastor a moment ago, pardon me, I'm so full I can hardly talk this morning, but I'll, I started to say I'll get over it in a minute, but I hope I don't, amen? (laughs) But I said to your preacher, I said I, God knows that I needed the refreshing touch that he put in my spirit this morning and uh, spoke to my needy heart at my point of need. Some of you know and I do appreciate those of you that prayed for us. We have personally as a family went through a storm the night was rather dark for a few days but the anchor it held for us. (laughs) And uh, I won't go in much detail now other than just to tell you that everything's all right now, and uh, we're so grateful, <clears throat> beyond my ability to express my appreciation. Well, I tell you, I, I said to the preacher, I've always thoroughly enjoyed the choir, but every time I come, it seems like I'm bragging on you, I'm going to do it again. And I tell you, they came last night where I was preaching, and these dear men, and They blessed us there, and I bragged on them there last night, and I do it here again. I told the preacher, I said, uh, we vacation with our daughter in Orlando in the month of July for a week or so, and we normally go to hear her preacher, but I told her this time, instead of going to First Baptist in Orlando and hear Dr. Henry, we're going to drive back to Chattanooga. (laughs) And uh, I don't don't get to hear your preacher preach and come to hear your, your music. And uh, the Lord willing, we uh, look forward to doing that. Well, I was a pastor for 20 years, of the 38 I've been in the ministry, and I know that we're on a schedule on Sunday morning, especially, and I'm mindful of that, and I'm going to just get right into the message and share what I feel God wants me to talk about. In the Psalm passage, uh, let's look there first Psalm 139. And uh, the psalm of David, and uh, David is talking to us about his awareness that God knows all about him. I preached a series when I was in the pastorate, and I entitled the series, The Joy of Knowing God. We came to this passage and talked about knowing the all-knowing God, the joy of knowing this kind of God, the God that knows everything. About everything, of course, knows all about us. The joy of knowing the ever-present God, David talks about both aspects here in these first 12 verses. He says, "O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my line down, acquainted with all of my ways." Not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from Thy Spirit or whether shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light both are alike to thee. Now in the first book of the Bible, we have... uh, A truth that really illustrates the truth that's stated there. We have it illustrated here. The seventh verse of the 16th chapter, we'll break into this little story. And the text says, The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to shore. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? She said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. He'll be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. She called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called merely Hiroi. Behold, it's between Kadesh and Beerith. And Hagar bare Abram's son. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. In the 13th verse, there's four words that stand out this morning and spoke to my needy heart again as I came to it. This young Egyptian handmaid, we would not be incorrect if we called her a slave. This servant girl, all alone, been dealt harshly with, been mistreated. And here she is on her way back toward Egypt, the way to Shur is headed back down through that uh, wilderness desert area toward Egypt, her homeland where she's come from. And she stops at this little spring of water and uh, someone calls her name. Someone reveals to her that he knows all about her. Knows her situation that she finds herself in. And her response to this one who with this authoritative voice called her by name she said thou God seest me. That's Hagar's way really of saying there is a God that knows all about me. He's with me. He sees me. He knows me. And uh, to commemorate that, that well was called so, uh, long after this meeting that she had with, this, with the, the Lord God. The well was called, Roy," simply means uh, the well of the living one who sees me. I had someone to say something to me a few days ago that brought this truth into focus. I won't go into much detail. It involves, uh, uh, covers some weeks now and even months. We were out on the West Coast preaching. I was out there preaching. My wife was with me and uh, the time changed. There's three hours difference in the time where I live and out on the West Coast. And, and we got in from the, the meeting about 9 the p.m. that evening and I noticed the phone, the, the message light was on, and I, I, I got in touch with the office and found that uh, there was a call that I would need to return, and I returned the call to our oldest son, and immediately I detected that there was something wrong I could sense in his voice, and uh, 12 o'clock back home, and he said, Dad, we've got bad news. You, you're not going to believe this, and uh, he told me something that uh, honestly I couldn't hardly uh, comprehend and I said to him you're not serious and he said yes and he called their preacher a young 40 year old young pastor he called him by name he's the, his wife my daughter-in-law's first cousin he's like a son of ours he's the same age of our son that I was talking to they, they grew up together went to school together they're 40 year old and uh, he said he died suddenly a heart attack this evening I just preached a meeting for him. I just left uh, our area just days uh, prior to our going out to Oregon in the meeting. And uh, I don't think in all the years that I've heard some calls, surprising and shocking and startling calls. I don't think I've ever had a... I've said that to say this. He said, you need to get in touch, and he called his uh, wife's name, said, "Uh, they're expecting you. They know the time change, and I got in touch with her. And uh, she... Well, no, when I was getting home, I said, we'll travel. I have changed flights three times on Thursday. Time difference, he'll throw us behind. It'll be Thursday night late when we're due in. And uh, this is Tuesday. And she said, well, he would want it no other way. We'll hold the funeral until Saturday. And I uh, know he wants you. He's, you're his preacher. He was saved under your ministry, called to preach under your ministry. You're his pastor and uh, we had the service without going in detail i don't think i've ever been at a memorial service that we've since god taken over doing so much apparently in that service but i've said all this to <clears throat> all that to say this trying to help her she said to me some days after that she said i've never felt so alone in all my life three small children 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And uh, she'd call me. Of course, she calls me preacher. And uh, she said, uh, I almost feel abandoned, forsaken. I encouraged her just to pour her heart out. I said, God will let you talk. God, it'll be a good therapy, and he'll let you just cry out to him. And I said, you can feel free to talk to me that way. I've said that, now I'm leading up to something. We begin to see God graciously, tenderly, so constantly start expressing himself, showing his goodness. I preached there recently, just a few days before leaving. I've been on the road this last week. And there is that young widow and those three precious children there on the second row. I sensed the moment I walked up here and began to talk that it's different. See, what's in here sometimes reflects here. It's been some weeks now since it happened. And uh, I could sense that she's coping. I could sense the anchor's holding. You know what she said to me after the meeting? Her and those precious children. She said, Brother Hurt, we want to tell you, his a family. We, we didn't know that he could give such special, personal attention as he's doing for us. And she said, I'm just aware, uh, personally, she said, and seems almost constantly aware that he sees us. He's watching over. I read this text again this morning. Tried to pray for that family. Tried to hold that young widow and those precious children up. And it just leaped off of the page this truth of this text that is long ago, yonder in that wilderness, in that arid desert, at a little spring of water. A young woman, we know very little about her, we just know that she's a She's a servant, and in that economy of that day, she, she was not counted very important. In fact, she's been mistreated. She's been put down, and, and she's been dealt so hardly with, she's fleeing. She has to leave. And here she is all alone, and this God they've been singing about, and we've been lifting our hearts in worship to this morning. He took the initiative. She went looking for him. The Bible said he found her. And uh, he spoke to her, and she's amazed to say the least, and revealed that he knows her not only by name, but her circumstances, her need, Uh, talks to her about her future in detail, at least concerning that boy, and tells about the character of that uh, uh, baby that's in her womb, and uh, even about the conflict that will mark him throughout the existence of his descendants. This God who knows everything, this God David said when I sit down he knows it, when I stand up he knows it, he knows my thoughts before I'm aware of them. She said thou God seest me. It's her way of saying he knows me, he's aware of me he knows what's going on I jotted an old, uh, an old Puritan I was reading some time ago from here and he said this assures us of divine attention given to human affliction. He said we're assured of a divine mercy from this little story for human misery. When God spoke to her and said name him Ishmael means God has heard. He said the Lord's heard your affliction. Really more literally God's heard your misery. And I want to just spend a few minutes this morning talking about this attention that uh, uh, the young widow said to me a few days ago. I uh, I'm amazed at such personal attention that he's given. And I tell you this morning in this room, God knows you. He knows you by name. He knows you by need. He knows all about you this morning you in this room this morning with a personal need. There is a personal God. He he sees you. He knows you. He's aware of you. He's concerned for you this morning. And she expresses that by saying, Thou God seest me. Oh, the perception that's in this attention. He has total insight total, complete understanding of everything that involves us this morning. And he reveals that. We're told now there's somewhat over 6 billion persons on this earth. Now, That's staggering almost to try to uh, take hold of. 6 billion. And I was thinking about that this morning just pondering this, the attention that God gives to this human family. And the perception that's in that attention understands with what complete understanding and insight about everything that involves every one of those six billion persons on this earth. Now, that's that to say the least, of course, is so amazing. This God who knows all about us, this God who sees us, this God who's aware of us, this God who cares for us. Oh, there's such personal attention, such perception in this, in this attention that he's given to us, knows everything that's going on. And uh, this morning, oh, how patient he is with us. Uh, This God who, as he revealed himself to her, now you that know the story, we didn't go into detail. We didn't uh, go in the first part of it. We're not taking time to do that. But in the first part of the story, you'll discover that Hagar finds herself in a situation. It wasn't her choosing. She didn't really have much to do with it. She's placed into a situation, but then it had such an effect on her that she became rather arrogant in her position. And she didn't see herself anymore as Sarah's maid. She begins to see herself as Abram's wife. And uh, she's creating this friction between these two women now in the tent. And Sarah complains to Abram, and, and Abram says, She's your servant. You do something about it. And Sarah did. Sarah made it so rough on her. She had to leave, but yet uh, she instigated it, really. Hagar, she's the one, after finding herself in the position that she's placed in, and I repeat, it had such a profound impact on her that she she becomes, it appears to be, a little arrogant and and argumentative and stubborn. And uh, here she is now, after creating the problem. I mean, she's the cause of it in the sense there of the strife, and now here she is out here alone, and yet God's so patient with her. God's so tender with her. God is so mindful of her attention, and when he speaks to her, he lets her know that he knows not only her name, but her circumstances. He said, you're Sarah's maid. It's interesting to me. He doesn't call her Abram's wife. He calls her Sarah's maid, and he said, where did you come from, and where are you going? God's not seeking information. That's a rhetorical question, not, not intended to get an answer. A rhetorical question it's, it intends to teach us something. And he's trying to get her to focus on where she came from. Where are you going? Oh, she's headed down toward that dangerous trail down across that desert area. And God wants her to see that. Knew her name, knew her circumstances, but... I mentioned he knows her need. He knows she don't need to be out there. She's uh, a mother-to-be just in a little while. First child, all alone, no doctor, no nurse, no midwife, no anyone to help her. And God, with her need in mind, God says, you return, and you go back, and you submit. And she did. And uh, he gave such a wonderful promise after displaying his patience in this attention, he began to say to her something about that one that's in your womb. Told her, said uh, you're to name him Ishmael because God has heard and gave promises. Uh, as I said a moment ago the personal uh, life of the young, young boy was not a pleasant uh, word that God gave her but he promised that those descendants that God would bless this woman that he meets out there at the well. Now listen to me just carefully in closing. To our needy hearts here this morning, there is a God who knows us, sees us. There is a God who cares for us. There's a God who's listening to you this morning. You see, she wasn't audibly expressing her heart. She wasn't crying out to God. When God said, name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard, he said he's heard your affliction. God's touch with the feelings of our infirmities. You got a broken heart this morning? Oh, that speaks loudly to God this morning. You this morning, you got, you you, you under some kind of oppression? I tell you, God not only knows, but God hears the cry of your heart this morning. And she said, name that well, the well of the living one who sees me. I heard a testimony, it's been some years back now, and it brings the essence of what I'm talking about this morning into focus in a real sweet way. I won't go into any detail, uh, the man gave his testimony, and he's an older man then, so uh, perhaps he doesn't live now, this goes back 20 years. But uh, he he told how that, as he put it, they wanted him to, in his testimony, to give a word about the dark valley that he walked through and uh, talked about how God sustained him, as he put it, through that dark valley. He was a businessman, a rather successful businessman. What he made reference to, as he put it, he was just a young businessman, and uh, his wife was taken ill and died uh, rather suddenly. In his words, he said there was always some mystery connected to her illness. We never, ever knew for sure all that was involved. And, uh, but she was taken from me at a young age, rather suddenly, and he'd lived his life alone. And he said, uh, I was left with a little five-year-old girl. It was their only child. They had the funeral, and uh, the point he was making was this. He said, after the funeral, we went back to the, as he put it, that big old empty house. And the first night after the funeral, he said, I felt that God just wanted me and the little girl to spend the night alone. We'd spent those days through the funeral time with uh, family members, but he said, I felt I wanted to try to uh, convey the truth as much as I could to that little girl about uh, her mother leaving us. And in his words, he said that night after retiring, he said, and he described uh, you know, where the bedroom was situated, and said, my, Our bedroom was here, and a little girl sort of down the hall, category you could see, and said, uh, The lights are out. And I thought she was asleep, but he said, I heard the emotion feel voice of that five year old little girl. And her little voice to me was, Daddy, I miss mommy. Many years later, that man telling that tears trickled down his cheeks. He said, I knew I need to get in there, and I need to get in there quickly to try to uh, help that little girl. And he said, I got beside of her bed, and I said, honey, I miss her too. Sure we miss her. But uh, let me tell you again, we've agreed, mommy's not out. We didn't leave her out in the cemetery. Mommy is with Jesus. I said so the best I could. Uh, incidentally, how, how could you explain to a five-year-old about losing, losing its mother? I have a five-year-old grandchild. How would you tell a five-year-old little girl You know, about the death of her mother. But he said, the best I could, I tried to tell her. Lights were off again, and he said, uh, uh, there in the darkness, I hear her emotion-filled voice again. And her voice was this. She said, Daddy, are you looking towards my room? He said, honey, my face is turned right toward your room. Daddy, will you keep your face turned toward my room while you sleep? And that dear man said, I I promised that little girl, I'll keep my face looking toward your room while I sleep. He said she went to sleep. I got up later. He said God's grace has kept me from blaming him. I haven't really gotten bitter and blamed him. But said he has permitted me to question him. And said there at the table late that night, I cried out to him, and I said, oh, God, is there something you could tell me? Oh, how I needed her. How that little girl needed her. Is there something you could tell me? And he said, I've never heard God speak audible but as clearly as God has ever impressed my spirit, you know what he said to me? Son, my face is turned toward you. Many years later, he said, I've been aware through these many years. Is someone watching over me? Someone looking in my direction, and he sustained me. Oh, there's a, a one this morning with eyes full of mercy and a heart full of love. And he's looking at your way personally. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. All over the room, God's people in a moment of quietness. All over the room. Moment of quietness. I haven't gone in much detail of preaching this morning. I save that to the evening services. Just a simple truth, but yet such a, such a wonderful encouraging truth. Someone sees us. Someone knows us. Someone cares for us. You're in this room without him this morning. They've, they've been talking about Calvary. That's where God said to us, poor sinners, I love you and I've done something about your sins. I've paid that sin debt. you here with a broken heart this morning. Oh, his word is casting all your care on him. He cares for you, and he wants you to lean up on him. Would you stand with me all over the audience? I'm going to ask the pastor if he'd come. Brother Ken, you come if you would, please, sir. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and God's people in a moment of quietness. The pastor's here, and he'll have a word from his heart to our hearts. If God's talking to you this morning, don't miss him. Whatever the reason, whatever the need is, just there's plenty of room. Someone down here will help you. Don't miss him this morning while we stand with our heads bowed. The dear pastor's here.